When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACC Media Day kicking off in Charlotte today. The Atlantic Division players and coaches stepping up to the mic. Can Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers regain the top spot in the conference? And all eyes on Kirby Smart and his Georgia Bulldogs. Day three of SEC Media Days in Atlanta. What will the dogs need to do if they are to repeat as national champs? You want respect and you want to earn respect, you take that helmet and you strike them. That's how you get respect. This is what it's all about. Why you work so hard in the offseason, and we got just 60 minutes to find out who's going to win this ballgame. The first touchdown of this championship game, and Georgia claims its first lead. You're either elite or you're not. 40-yard touchdown strike. Bennett to A.D. Mitchell in the back right corner of the right end zone. The Dodgers retake the lead. Launching downfield, underthrown, and intercepted. All the way to the end zone, and Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. Dogs are winners. I'm a champion, I'm a champion, I'm a champion. They sure were champions. Welcome into College Football Live. We got you covered in both Charlotte and Atlanta for ACC and SEC Media Days, but we start right there with the defending national champions. The Bulldogs coming off one of the most dominant defensive performances in recent history, but with seven players on the D-line headed to the NFL, Georgia returns just 44% of its defense. That's the lowest of any SEC school. The offense, fewer holes to fill. They've got Stetson Bennett one more year. JT Daniels heads to West Virginia, but a robust step chart of quarterbacks continues. Regardless of who's behind center, plenty of offensive power power. The Bulldogs return three of their four key pass catchers. Here's the head coach. Done the rounds this morning. I'll bet you at least 50 people have asked me the question. So feel free when we open up for questions to ask me the concern there is for complacency. That does not concern me in the least. Because to be complacent, you have to have done something and achieved something. The men on this team for this season have not done that. They have not. We had 15 players that are now gone to NFL uh, camps or draft picks. They're gone. And we have some returning players, but they're hungry as ever. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to recruit a kid and they said, well, they told us y'all weren't going to be any good on defense this year. You're losing everybody. They said that two years ago. They said that last year. They're saying that this year. Look, if you go recruit really good football players and they're fast and physical, you'll play good defense. I mean, you'll play good defense. And good defense sometimes is a, a, a loose term in college football right now because uh, giving up 20 sometimes is a good, good defense. And uh, we don't like to change our standards, and we know we're going to have a good defense year in and year out. It's just going to be different. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. 
the hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. We didn't build this program on uh, hoping for one-year wonders or hoping for one opportunity. We built the program to be sustained. And you sustain it by what you do every single day. Fair enough. At least right now, though, they are the defending champs, and they open up with a bang against Oregon. That game's in Atlanta. Things will settle down for the dogs before they head to Jacksonville for the cocktail party against Florida in late October. They have the second highest percent chance to go undefeated, according to the FBI. David Pollock, Jordan Rogers are with us now from Atlanta. And David, I'll start with you. What does Georgia need to do if we will see repeat champions? I don't know if that got you fired up, but Kirby was on it. I mean, he was talking about this team did He's nothing. He's having none of it. I, I love that. He's getting out in front of it, but it's still going to be hard to maintain. But this is a historic defense, not like a good defense. Jordan, they're, they're going to double their output from a year ago. They're going to give up double the amount yeah. of points and still be in the top 20 in the country, 30 in defense. That's, that's how historically good that defense was. But the good news is I just think you add Eric Gilbert, obviously, as a tight end slash wide receiver slash matchup nightmare with Brock Bowers and Mitchell comes back a little bit uh, a little bit better as you know from a freshman to a sophomore now I think this offense is going to be good but I do think the defense will take a couple steps backwards but I do expect Georgia the way they've recruited to continue to build on this and they're not going to be a one-year wonder and not be in the competition for the college football playoff no doubt uh, here's my issue I think with what they're replacing on defense the margin for error with the best defense we've seen in a really long time was very small and I, you don't want to hear it, but, you know, with Alabama and their two best receivers out national championship game, I'm not saying the result would have been different, but the score may have been slightly different. Oh, and absolutely. so with all those pieces that they're going to replace, can the offense now make up for a little bit of that? I think they can. The tight ends that they have, the running game that they have, I think A.D. Mitchell is a star in the making. He's going to get a lot more attention this year as well. So, But that Stetson guy is not any good, though. People don't like him. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Do you like him, Mr. Quarterback? I did give Stetson my fair share of criticism last okay. year. I'm going to own up to that, but also right before the national championship game, although I, I did pick Bama, I said Stetson was going to play as good as he ever has, and it wasn't going to be the reason they lose, and obviously he played amazing and they won. Stetson's going to be more confident this year. I remember being a quarterback. All right, gentlemen, all. hold your fire. Home, hold you your fire on the quarterback. We're going we're to get there. Oh, Jordan, okay. okay, I, okay. <laughs> we're going to get there. But, you know, I, ha I have to circle back. He's yeah, I know, go. I know, right? I have to circle back, though, because David used the word historically good. And just to give you some perspective, they really were. They saw eight players taken in the 2022 NFL draft. That was five guys in the first round alone. And now, of course, that means, and we've talked about it and continue to talk about, they return only 21% of their production on defense. That's the second lowest in the FBS. Now, David, look, I, I hear your point, and there is a pipeline, and there has been some quality recruiting. But specifically, though, when we look at this Georgia defense, after losing all that production, what has to happen? And what concerns do you have for Dan Lanning? Well, yeah, Dan Lanning leaving, going to Oregon as a D.C., but Will Muschamp, obviously, with Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning in the room, I mean, that's some brilliant minds. Will Muschamp, I think, will be just fine running the defense. Schumann, obviously, part of the D.C. package, too. But that's, what, what did Kirby say? Find big, fast guys and you play good defense? They, there's a bunch of big physical – like, Jalen Carter is a top-ten pick He's in the next NFL draft. He was the best player on their defenses back. Keely Ringo, by the way, the corner that sealed the game in the national championship, he's going to be back. There's going to be a lot of new faces, but Georgia has recruited at a stupid level. Like – this is why Alabama has been able to reload for over so many years over. because they stack class on top of class. You're talking about five st top five classes for Georgia back to back to back to back. 
That's what's going to happen. The one thing I'm concerned about, really only early because there are so many new faces, is facing your old D coordinator and, a, and a, a good Oregon team. And then South Carolina as well because, you know, linebackers in the, in the man match type defense, everything changes pre-snap. Communication is paramount. New faces, new guys out there as, as it's live action. Yeah. I worry early that there could be a few slip-ups. I don't worry at the end of the season this isn't going to be again an elite defense. But you do have to prove, like, this. the offense is going to have to carry more weight. Yes. Like, this won't be the game manager people talked about, Stetson being. Like, you can't have that this year to start out the gates, like you said, because it will be new. You will have people busting assignments. You have younger guys playing. So, Wendy, the offense, I think, will be called upon more to have more success but I think they're capable of doing that because they're returning just about everybody and they have the best tight end room maybe in the history of college football. Well, listen, that's a quarterback's best friend. There's no question. So let's give that a little bit of perspective. It was a big year for Big Stetson under center, even though, as you pointed out, Jordan, there was some criticism. He finished third in total QBR, only behind Heisman finalist C.J. Stroud and Heisman winner Bryce Young. And then the Orange Bowl offensive MVP saved his best performance when it mattered most in the college football playoff and here's what his head coach, Kirby Smart, had to say about the quarterback today. Stetson's one of the, the least respected good players there is in this country. And he wasn't the starter at this time last year, at this time two years ago. Um, he started intermittently throughout two years ago. And then once he won the job, I think he's created a little bit of momentum with our players, our skill players, because there's not a doubt there. You know, they understand he knows the system. He can get them the ball. He can throw the ball vertically down the field. He can throw deep comebacks. He can scramble around and make a play with his feet. And I think they value that. That's given him a little more credibility, which credibility to me is earned, right? He earned that by the way he played at the end of the year and most of the season. And he continues to do that the way he leads out there in seven on sevens and practices. And people just keep doubting him, and that's fine with me. All right, Jordan, well, you, you owned what you had to say. But listen, we all know you weren't alone. There was some criticism at times of Stetson Bennett, and he did play well, extremely well, at the end of his season. So let me just ask it this way. New season, new start. What's your confidence level in the quarterback right now? I'm really confident in him, honestly. The, the criticism last year was because we hadn't seen it. Because he hadn't been asked to do it in the times that he needed to against Alabama previously, it wasn't great. So by the time the SEC championship came around, it was – I don't know if he's going to be good enough or not going to be good enough. He obviously showed us that he is his ability to push the ball downfield accurately, limit turnovers. And really the X factor was using his legs as yep. much as he did to make a play that just frustrates defense. But again, three tight ends, maybe four that are unbelievable. The running game, he's going to be set up again to have a big season. And like you said, they're going to ask more of him. Yeah, but it's interesting. You you know, you didn't necessarily believe in him, but neither didn't. did his I coaches. Didn't. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Last year in camp, he literally took zero reps in fall camp. Wild. So th th he was told, like, if you want to play, you probably should go somewhere else. Like, but then what happens? What happens is injury. And when injury happens, coaches have to go with people that they trust. He had played the year before, gained a little bit of trust, knew the system better than obviously freshmen that were there, you know, with him, battling with him. He got an opportunity, and then he killed it, and he knocked it out of the park. And just one thing I love that Jordan said, the ability to push the ball down the field. People look at Stetson Bennett and they say game manager. That's not what he is. And he that is was not a big criticism. He has not checked down Charlie. Yeah. That dude wants to chunk the ball down the field, make big plays, and I think in this offense it will allow him to with the tight ends, the running game. I think he's going to put up really big numbers. He did. He put up good numbers a year ago. I think he's going to skyrocket past those numbers. I tell you what, if you haven't seen that piece where he talks about what it was like to hear that at the outset of the season, if you want to play, go somewhere else, 
and the way he responded, I mean, it's fascinating. Go back and watch it because you really get a sense of who he is. By the way, Georgia has the third highest chance to make it back to the playoff, but the Dogs will have an, a test early when they play Oregon in Atlanta. Meanwhile, just a few hours north, if you guys hopped in your car and drove up north, you've got Atlanta uh, to Atlanta to Charlotte, and the ACC making news of its own. Day one of Media Day features the Atlantic Division in the ACC. We'll hear from the Coastal Division on Thursday. Let's look at what happened last season. Pittsburgh became the first team not named Clemson to win the ACC title in the playoff era. However, the Tigers, by the way, now the odds-on favorite to return to the top this time around. There are four new head coaches in the conference, and that includes Miami's Mario Cristobal. The former Oregon head coach helped lead the Hurricanes to national titles as a player. That was in 89 and 1991, so he goes back home. The conference has announced it will be the last season with two divisions. For now, though, ESPN's Power Football, uh, FPI, as we call it, projects Clemson to take the Atlantic and Miami to win the Coastal. So uh, a lot of folks saying we'll see a rebound year for the Clemson Tigers. EJ Manuel joining us now from ACC Media Day. That's in Charlotte. And EJ, let me just start there. Do you agree that Clemson and then Miami will be the division winners this year? Wendy, I do agree. Uh, I think when you look at Clemson and what they're bringing back defensively first, Brian Brzee, Miles Murphy, Trent Simpson, at linebacker, uh, these guys are loaded on that side of the football. And yes, they are going to lose the defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, uh, becoming the head coach at Oklahoma. But I think when you bring back that type of firepower, that's going to set the tone. Now, offensively, they got to be better. Everybody knows DJ Uyunglele didn't have the season that he expected to have. Uh, but I do think that with this new vote of confidence for him, and then also now his quarterback coach will be his offensive coordinator, I think there's going to be a sense of comfortability that should certainly help him. Now Miami, I'm excited about these guys. New head coach Mario Cristobal, obviously, you know, winning atmosphere over there at Oregon. He's won two national championships for the U. But Tyler Van Dyke is such a special quarterback. He's a first-year NFL guy at some point. And I just feel like when he's at the helm, Miami's going to always be in the game. I thought last year when he had opportunities to start, it was good learning lessons for him. He wasn't always perfect, but as the season went on, he got better. I tell you what, EJ, I like Miami too. The only problem is if I had a dollar for every time I said that the last five seasons, I'd be a wealthy woman. But, you know, eventually we're going to be excited about Miami. We're going to see it carried through. Uh, let me ask you about a dark horse in the ACC that you have your eye on. Yeah, a dark horse is going to be Virginia. I think University of Virginia has so much talent coming back. You start with Brennan Armstrong, their quarterback, almost threw for 4,500 yards last year. He was sidelined a bit with, a, with an injury, but he's bringing back all three of his receivers, Billy Kemp, uh, so many great guys that can go down the field and make those big catches. And again, you mix that with a new head coach and Tony Elliott coming over from Clemson. Again, that winning pedigree. He knows how to win ACC championships. He knows how to win national championships. So if there is a dark horse in this conference, it's going to be University of Virginia. I like that. That Clemson coaching tree really started to spread. That, that's what happens when you have the kind of success we've seen from Dabo Sweeney's staff. All right, EJ, stay put. we got plenty more to come on College Football Live. The ACC has six returning quarterbacks. EJ's high on every single one. We'll ask Pollock where he lands on the ACC stable of quarterbacks. And the question, of course, for Georgia, will it be back-to-back -back championship titles for Kirby Smart or maybe Nick Saban picks up an eighth championship? Paul Feinbaum weighs in when we come back. This guy is playing at a high level. We are locked into that TV like nothing else. Leary's got to take a shot. Has a player wide open. 
Mississippi State is going to score. That's a special play he just made in a critical moment. Pressure coming. Hartman to the end zone. And it is caught for the touchdown. And Wake Forest walks it off to get to 6-0 on the season. Malik Cunningham is absolutely unreal. That is one of the best runs you are going to see. Armstrong fakes it to Woods. He'll run. Absorbs the hit, breaks the tackle, and scores! He's got three Virginia Tech defenders coming against him. And he lowers the boom. Play action. Kovic going deep. He's got Flowers in the end zone. And he makes the catch. He is on a path to be one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen at Boston College. Van Dyke on a straight drop here. Gonna crank it deep, and that is Harley. In stride, touchdown! TVD, I think, is the best quarterback in the conference. Pretty good. I, of all the great quarterbacks, I think he's going to be the best quarterback. Well, there you go. High praise. A handful of veteran quarterbacks returning to the ACC this season, including Louisville's Malik Cunningham, who led the conference in total QBR. Also keep an eye on Miami's Tyler Van Dyke. He has the fourth shortest odds to win the Heisman this season. Here's what their respective head coaches had to say at media day. We have a, a lot of teams that we play against that have great quarterbacks coming back, and, and we feel we're in as good a position as anybody in the conference or the country at that position. So uh, Sam has played at a very high level for a number of years. He's so dynamic, you know, it's kind of you don't want to put the reins on him that much. So, mm -hmm. um, But I think this spring was good for him, was good for, our, for the teammates. And then, then the fall, you know, we're going to see what happens. You know, if he's got to go make a play, I promise you he's going to go make the play. You know, he had a good freshman year, and then last year, was a challenge. Uh, we weren't very good around him. We didn't have much continuity. Uh, I think that affected him. He didn't play as well as he needs to. You know, he tried to do a little too much here and there, but but he did at four and three. Instead of blaming and pointing fingers, we we all figured it out, and he played his best football down the stretch, and he led us to six straight wins. Case he's doing different things than he was doing last year and the year before. He's studying defenses. He's not worried about what our plays are or how he runs our plays as much as he is what he can do to help teach those plays to other players and how he can get the guys around him to perform. Well, David Pollock and E.J. Manuel back with us. And E.J., I know you like these ACC quarterbacks, but uh, tell me who maybe, maybe I should say who you like the most. Ooh, that's tough. Wendy, I, I think when you think about the ACC quarterbacks, the one I'm most confident in is Devin Leary from NC State. I like it to say he's a smooth operator, right? And I think when you watch him process throughout his offense, he understands where to go with the football. He doesn't put it in harm's way too often. And again, he slayed the biggest dragon in the ACC, and that's Clemson. So being that he has it on his resume, I think he should have a ton of confidence coming into this next season. And also, a bunch of returners on his defensive side. So the best friend to a QB is obviously his defense, but as far as confidence, Devin Leary's my guy. Yeah, and if they can protect him, which will be the big question, EJ, if they can keep him upright, they can run the football, have a little bit of balance, I think you're right. 35 touchdowns, five interceptions a year ago. But how about Tyler Van Dyke? This is the guy that came on the scene for Miami that all of a sudden came out of absolutely, absolutely nowhere and rattled off five of their last six wins. But when he was inserted into the lineup, things changed. He had 25 touchdowns. He had six interceptions. But you saw Miami look completely different. He's a big, strong kid. He's got a huge arm. You've already seen him mocked in the first round next year by certain people adding to this QB class. But you could tell Miami was different because they had a different dude at QB. 
EJ, give me the quarterback you expect to make the biggest leap. Uh, we'll stay in the ACC. Well, Wendy, I think it's Jordan Travis of Florida State. I went back and watched his last four games of the FSU season. And you got to remember, he didn't come in as a full-time starter. It was between him and McKenzie Milton. But I think once he became QB1, the confidence level, all of his teammates started to look to him to make the big plays, and he delivered. Again, it didn't always turn into to wins, but I think the process that he's gone through, he's certainly grown so much as a passer and just become more confident. And even we talked to him today. He said, hey, look, I'm a passer first. Yes, I can run. I broke all the records rushing the ball at Florida State. But trust me, I'm a passer first, so I'm expecting a big year from Jordan Travis. Well, all of his highlights we just showed was him running the football, so he needs to make some more highlights, <laughs> definitely throwing the football through the air. But another guy that can scoot, Malik Cuttingham, four-year starter at Louisville. You're following Lamar Jackson, one of the most exciting players in college football. But, man, at times he looks like him, and I, and I trust he's going to continue to evolve as a passer. I saw some good things a year ago, but you talk about a dynamic athlete that can do everything. and put He can put a team on his back. He's that kind of good. I think he's going to take that next step this year as a passer and he was already a freaky athlete that everybody was worried about and that's why I think Louisville can have a pretty good season. It should be fun to watch. Listen, you can't talk about the ACC, certainly can't talk about this division without talking about Clemson, even if the Tigers took a step back last season. Its six uh, streak of six straight ACC titles came to an end. The Tigers also missed the playoff the first time since the format's inception. So a bit of a, a different deal in Death Valley for the Clemson Tigers last season. More challenges ahead for Dabo. He had to replace not one, but two coordinators. After Tony Elliott went to Virginia, Brent Venables, of course, took his talents to Norman and returned to the playoff and likely depend on that quarterback play. We talked a little bit about Uyunglele. We will talk about it more. Here now, though, the head coach. The biggest thing uh, I learned last year about, you know, our team was, uh, you know, they're, what they're made of. Adversity and disappointment is good for everyone, and, and you usually find out what you're made of. You know, it, you know, adversity either grinds you up or shines you up, and it truly depends on what you're made of. And they showed the heart. They showed the, the foundation of our program. And all of that uh, has carried into this offseason. We've had a tremendous leadership and tremendous growth through the spring and into uh, the summer. So I love the fact that we have heightened expectations, but I also, you know, uh, have, have, have perspective. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to win the championship every year. But if we can continue to be a consistent program year in and year out, then we'll continue to have those special seasons where, you know, we, we, we finish the way maybe everybody wants us to finish. Despite some early hiccups last season, Clemson still won 10 games. And looking for the schedule this year, Tigers primed to reach double-digit wins for the 12th straight season. They've set their own bar quite high. Clemson is the FPI favorite to uh, in every single game they play this year. And, EJ, you heard uh, Dabo talk about DJU, if you will, and he's right, a tale of two kids, right? First year, second year, different. So I think the question is, which quarterback do we see emerge in this season? Wendy, we're going to see the 2020 quarterback come back in DJ Uyunglele. Look, it's not easy to take over from the, the footsteps of Trevor Lawrence. And, of course, when you play at Clemson, that's the expectation. We know the standard of what they expect to be. But I really feel like 
the confidence for DJ is going to grow. One, because his new offensive coordinator is, is his old quarterback coach. And as a quarterback myself, I know how that, that continuity, that conversation, that, that level of comfort when you have that guy who's been in the room with you since day one is not going to be calling those plays. And look, it, it doesn't help that a lot of his guys were hurt. His offensive line was not you know, continuous. He had a bunch of guys out with a couple of injuries. So as long as the players around him show up, DJ's going to have a great season. I think you're a little bit more confident than me, EJ. I think, DJ, you can see the talent, man. The dude can throw it through a car wash and not get it wet. He's big. He's strong. Um, but I think with his reads, Brandon Streeter's going to have a tall task on his hand because I don't know that they're going to be that much better up front where you're going to consistently run the football. But I think when they ran him more throughout the season last year, he became better. And I think he's a better quarterback because he has that ability. But I think he's going to get pushed. I think he's going to get challenged. A couple years ago, remember, it wasn't that long ago when uh, when Dabo Sweeney was making this hard decisions about Kelly Bryant and and Trevor Lawrence and that decision to make the switch and, and then they end up winning a national championship you know because of it so I I'll be interested to see how short the leash is with DJ I, I think he's got a lot of promise but he's definitely got to get better with his eyes trust his line more and I think he'll have to run the football a lot. David, and help to do that with uh, some new faces because after so much stability for a, a lot of years Dabo Sweeney had to replace coordinators on both sides of the ball. Tony Elliott at UVA, Brent Venables to Oklahoma. How, how big of a deal is it to lose those guys? It's a huge deal, but, man, if Dabo Sweeney doesn't uh, scream culture for you by now and you don't believe what he preaches, what does he do? Brandon Streeter, he's been at Clemson for seven years. Wes Goodwin on the DC defensive side of the ball, he's been there for ten years. You know, like, they went with guys that they trusted that does the Clemson way. Uh, you know, I just I, – I'm going to be interested to see how they morph, how they change. Uh, but Brandon Streeter, you saw a little bit in the ball game last year and did pretty well. And then, God, obviously, Goodwin – Replacing Venables, I think, is impossible. I just his energy. You always saw him on the sidelines, just grabbing people, and he was all in, man, and he was so intense. It's hard to find people like that. There's just not many people in the world that are wired. So I could see that being something. You say, hey, the defense takes a step back, but the personnel on that defensive line is so good. They're still going to be a great football team this year, regardless of the coaching changes. Yeah, David, I agree. I think the biggest question mark for, for Clemson's defense is going to be in the secondary, but the front seven is so talented. All those guys are going to have opportunities to play at the NFL. So if I'm the defensive coordinator, if Coach Goodwin's the defensive coordinator, I think they're going to be fine on that side. But, again, when you can make these changes in-house, that goes such a long way because, again, the structure is there, the understanding of what Clemson football means. And, again, they've recruited these kids. So I think they're going to be just fine as far as with the new coaches. You know what, Dabo Sweeney preaches promoting from within. He put his money where his mouth is. That's certainly what we've seen. Uh, and by the way, that was the first time ever for Clemson to miss the playoffs. Uh, we do not expect that to be the norm. FBI giving the Tigers the fourth highest chance to reach the playoff this year. Well, it's done then. FBI said it. I, I know. I know you love it. You got it. <laughs> right. He loves the FBI, EJ. Uh, Clemson has dominated the ACC for a long time until they hit the roadblock. Will they be back? I don't know. FPI said so. We'll play over or under. Coming up. Steph Curry hosts the 30th annual ESPYs tonight from the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles at 8 o'clock Eastern on ABC and the ESPN app. All right, you'll see some familiar faces among the favorites to win the ACC this season, including the perennial powerhouse that is, was, is Clemson and last year's champion Pittsburgh. North Carolina and Miami both seeking their first conference title in quite some time. The last time the Hurricanes won a conference crown came back 
oh, by the way, when they were members of the Big East. David Pollock and Eddie Royal with us now on College Football Live, and we'll do a little over-under win totals for the ACC Atlantic Division. It's their day at Media Day tomorrow. All right, we'll start with Eddie. David, you can follow for each, and I'll start with the Clemson Tigers at 10 and a half wins. Eddie. Okay, I'm going with over. I think that's an easy one. You look at the schedule, and the first test is against Wake. They beat Wake last year. I don't think that'll be a problem. But then you look at the rest of it, you got Miami and, and NC State. You got both of those guys at home. I think Clemson will be rolling. I think DJ's going to have a bounce back year. And the good thing about that, if DJ doesn't play well, they got the number one ranked quarterback in the last year's recruiting class sitting behind them. So I think Clemson will get over easy. Yeah, I think I think it's over too. I went back and forth, but you look at last year they lost to on the road to the ACC champs Pitt, who obviously had a dynamic team. They lost to the national champions uh, to Georgia to start the season, which was a pretty good game. I, I think they'll pick up another game that they they lost to NC State by the way in double overtime. So I think they'll win one of those games. I think they'll win. They'll be the over this year. All right, over at ten and a half. Not bad. NC State Eddie at eight and a half wins. See, I think this was the easiest one for me by far. I think NC State will win 10 games this season. I think that defense that they have is unstoppable. You got those three linebackers coming back. Devin Leary is ready to go. He's a Heisman hopeful. So you look at the schedule, I mean, Clemson is going to be a tough game, but you can drop that one and still win 10 games. And then the other one on that schedule that scares me a little bit is Louisville. So even if you drop those two games, you still win 10. So I got the over. I mean, at a conference, you're 4-0. That's a pretty good thing to look at. But I think you've seen with NC State, like Dave Dorn, you can trust him. I mean, he's going to build a winning culture. I, I agree. I think NC State will be over. All right, Florida State, our number over under seven wins. Yeah, Florida State scares me. And, and this is kind of easy for me in a bad way. That schedule is just brutal. I'm going with the under. I just interviewed Mike Norvell. I feel so bad for him. He's such a great guy. <laughs> but look, I mean, you got LSU that second game of the season. I mean, come on. I don't know what they did to the schedule makers, but they did not look out for them this year. So it's just a tough road ahead for them. They got a lot of those tough games on the road. You look at Louisville, NC State, at Miami. I mean, come on. And then you finish up with a Florida team who's going to be pretty good. So it's not looking good for Florida State this year. Yeah, and they FSU came on strong last year to end the season. Jordan Travis, you could tell, kind of got it together. I think it was like five and two in their last seven games. Um, I, I don't think Florida State's there yet. I, man, I want Florida State to be back. I would love to see them be back and take another jump. Norvell, I think two or three wins year one, five wins a year ago. Like, I want to see Florida State come back, but it's not going to be this year. All right, no Christmas card for the Florida State schedule makers. You are off the list. All right, Wake Forest, winners of the Atlantic last year, Eddie, eight and a half wins. Yeah, Wake's going to be over. I mean, they got a really good team coming back. Sam Hartman's leading the helm. Uh, Coach Clawson just does such a great job with that program. They got veteran guys coming back. The only game on that schedule that really makes me feel a little bit iffy about them getting over that eight is that Army game. Army ran for over 400 yards against him last year. We got to see if that weight defense is, that rush defense in particular, is better this year. So that Army game is the one I'm circling. 
and they still scoring against Army. I think they put up like 70 last year against Army. It was crazy, but you know, Wake's points per game, like since 2017, it's over 30 points. Last year was 41. Hartman back. A lot of the weapons back, obviously, on the outside. I think Wake Forest in that offense is going to be really good. Can they get the defense fixed? New D.C. coming in. That's the biggest thing. If they can be decent on defense at Wake, they'd have a chance to win the ACC. they got to get that turned around on defense. Wake Forest matched a program record with 11 wins last season under Dave Clawson. To your point, has done a great job. Previous two years, the Deacons had won just 12 games combined. There will come a time, not long in the future, there will be a place not far from here. We will join. We will come together. We will rise. We will fight. And we will win. Let's go, get ready. Every day is a day closer to a new college football season, but until then, all teams are created equal. Or are they? Not where the odds makers are concerned. When it comes to the odds on favorites to win conference championships, there are the usual suspects, but also some dark horse contenders. Here's Stanford Steve with a cheat sheet. Winning a conference title is usually the first step to a magical season. And it ends in a sack. Young dropped back at the 41. That is a fitting ending. Georgia has won the national championship. Georgia bucked the trend last year, becoming the first national champion to not win its conference since 2017, Alabama. This year, the dogs are once again underdogs to win the SEC, with Alabama installed as the odds-on favorite at minus 140. Everyone knows who's gonna win this game. It's roll time, baby! <laughs> Alabama joins Clemson and Ohio State as odds-on favorites to win their respective leagues. Texas touchdown on the opening play, 75 yards. As for the other Power 5 leagues, Texas is favored to win its first Big 12 title since 2009, while USC and Utah are co-favorites in the Pac-12. Typically, long shots don't win conference championships. In the last 10 seasons, only six Power 5 conference champions entered the season at at least 20 to 1 odds. However, three of those came last year, including Pittsburgh at 60 to 1 and Baylor at 50 to 1. Also, Michigan was 25 to 1. The Utah Utes headed to the Rose Bowl for the first time in program history. Emphatic champions of the Pac-12. This year, my favorite pick to win a conference is Utah in the Pac-12. I love what the Utes bring back in returning players, starting with quarterback Cam Rising. The Utes finished with over 3,000 yards in the air and on the ground last year. Plus, I'll always trust Kyle Whittingham when it comes to having a high-level defense. Only two reigning champions are the favorite to repeat in their conferences this season. Utah, as you just heard about, in the Pac-12, Alabama, and the SEC. While Clemson and Ohio State merely took a year off from that top spot, Texas looking for its first conference count since 09 when it was led by Colt McCoy and Mac Brown. Guess who's here? Paul Feinbaum joins the show here with us on College Football Live. And Paul, listen, we just heard from the oddsmakers, and they like Alabama to win the SEC. What does Paul Feinbaum have to say? 
I think that is an obvious pick, and you, you can do whatever you want with Georgia or, or try to find a surprise team at the top, but there really are no none, Wendy. Uh, Alabama is, is hands down the favorite. They will be the favorite tomorrow, and they'll be the favorite when all the uh, polls come out as well. They'll be number one in the country, and they should be for the obvious reasons. And it really starts with, with Bryce Young on the offense, and you flip it over, and it's Will Anderson Jr. on the other side. You have Ricks, uh, the transfer from, from LSU, and that was one of the problems last year. The, the defense had a couple of holes. The offensive line is the only place on Alabama's team you could find fault and you would be searching uh, mightily trying to make a big deal out of that. Yeah, that's a fine tooth comb right there. Two first-year coaches in the SEC, Brian Kelly, Billy Napier. Uh, where you put your money there? Who you have more confidence in? I'm going with the veteran. Uh, I really like Napier, and he has, he has been very impressive uh, here in Atlanta today, and I think he'll have a big future ahead, but it's impossible to go against Brian Kelly. His resume is exquisite. Uh, he has had a bumpy beginning uh, with all things that have nothing to do with the football field. It doesn't matter whether he can dance. It doesn't matter what his accent sounds like. It doesn't matter where he grew up. All that matters is he's one of the five best coaches in college football, so I like him a lot. Yeah, that won't matter one bit. They start putting some W's in the win column. Who's a team in the SEC you think could surprise some folks, Paul? Now, they were, they were close last year to beating Alabama. Think about that. We've heard it a million times in the, in, down in the South. We've had Tanks Bigsby gone out of bounds in the Iron Bowl. Alabama wouldn't have played for the national championship. Auburn would have had a huge win under Brian Harson, and they wouldn't have tried to fire him. I think they're going to exceed expectations this year, which are very low. I, I don't think they're a great team. I don't think they have a, they're, they're going to be a championship contender. The most important game on the schedule is early against Penn State. If they win that game, they can get some momentum. And by the way, if Brian Harson doesn't get momentum, he'll be unemployed by the end of the season. All right, Paul, it's a long season ahead. Strap in. <laughs> Going to get bumpy. We look forward to it. Still ahead. Uh, the Gators look to spice things up a bit as Billy Napier takes the reins in Gainesville. Can the former Ragin' Cajuns coach help bring Florida back to a perennial power? A new era begins in Gainesville. New head coach Billy Napier. He led the Raging Cajuns to a Sunbelt championship appearance in all four of his seasons in Lafayette. Despite making only one start last season, Anthony Richardson's potential has not gone unnoticed, making multiple ESPN mock drafts as a projected first-round pick. For the second straight season, the defense struggled, though. Help is on the way. Lots of new talent, including Kamari Wilson, the number 18 overall recruit in the incoming class. Here's Billy Napier today. You know, this 2022 team that we have is a new team. It's a new year. Uh, it's a new set of challenges and opportunities. You know, I think each year and each team is its own entity. They've got to start over every year. You know, we've got a lot of players and a lot of staff that are learning our way. This group has uh, embraced the work. You know, I, I'm proud of our team. You know, this team's not scared. Uh, they're tough. They love to compete. Uh, when you put the ball down, they're about it. Reality is in college football, 25 to 30 percent every year you're going to have attrition. Uh, and you're always a work in progress, whether it's year one or it's year 10. You know, I've been very pleased with the offseason.
The Gators open up their season with two tough home games against Utah and conference foe Kentucky. And after the cocktail party against Georgia down in Jacksonville, Billy Napier and company will finish with three of their final road games uh, games on the road. Uh, Jordan Rogers back with us. Jordan, what do, you, what do you expect out of the Gators this season in year one under Billy Napier? Well, I think it's a little bit of a question mark, but what I expect from Florida is for them to start to compete again. Look, when Billy Napier come, his success and what he's done as a winning coach, you expect them eventually to compete for SEC championships, but they were 2-6 and six last year. The, the first goal is beat the Kentuckys, the Tennessees, the South Carolinas, or compete against them on a regular basis. You have the talent to do so. Anthony Richardson, I think, is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the entire country. Now, can you get consistent production will really be the question. He's going to have to do it with his legs and with his arms, which he was a, a highlight reel at times last year, but also at times looked like a young quarterback that still has got a lot to learn. And he was right when he said arms because he stiff arms and uses yeah, both arms. Arm not, right. not, just, yeah. not just the right yeah. arm. Uh, yeah, he showed some flashes. I love the way he talks. Billy Nate I just he said put the ball down there ready to rock and roll we're going to find out a lot week one Utah to open Utah is a team that has built their whole program on toughness it's exactly what Billy Napier wants to be in the future a team that's like that and physical that runs the football that you can depend on plays good defense that's what Utah does so I think we'll learn a lot out the gates but Billy Napier trying to get his message to take listen it shouldn't take long anymore in college football Florida is not a rebuilding job that you have to say you're not going to get good talent. You're going to get good talent. We're going to know if he clicks right off the bat. We're going to know if this year he can have some success because you've seen so many national championships won in year two. Success with programs in year two. So Talent's there to do it. Yes. It ain't like they're, you, the teams you're talking Cumbered's about competing with. Yeah. You're talking about Kentucky, Tennessee to finish second. Well, they're not going to beat Georgia, I don't think. I don't think no, anybody no, don't thinks think so that. Yeah. But why can't, why can't they have the talent to finish Easily. with those other teams? And we shouldn't have to say that, Wendy, about Florida. Florida should should be the second best team in the SEC every single year and fighting to be the first. Well, and, that, and that's what they certainly hope by bringing in Billy Napier. It's interesting, though. They're not the only team we'll see an early season litmus test. We went through some of those games yesterday, and there are some early season tests for a lot of these teams. Uh, you know what? Sink or swim, but that's that's what you do in college football. Pete Thamel, by the way, joins us from ACC Media Days coming up in just a few minutes. We'll be right back after a quick break. Next season, the ACC will ditch divisions and adopt a 3-5-5 schedule model. Each team will have three rivals they face every year and then play the other 10 conference teams every other year. Commissioner Jim Phillips noted that when this was done in part, he hopes it moves toward playoff expansion. Here's what the commissioner had to say. I mean, we talked about access, automatic qualifiers. I mean, there's a lot of things to discuss along with a new NCA president. I don't expect us in September when we get together to line up and announce a, a new CFP structure. I think we've made great progress over our last two meetings, both in April and in June, and everybody's motivated to come together. Pete Thamel joining us now from ACC Media Days and Jim Phillips, a proponent of expanding, expanding the college football playoff. What steps have to happen, Pete, if we're going to move away from the current structure? You know, Wendy, it's an, it's an interesting question. Uh, around college athletics today, Jim Phillips' comments created quite a bit of a buzz. Uh, there, there are some officials who think he's talking a little bit about both sides of his mouth. He was obviously one of the founding members and someone who pushed the alliance, which was generally an obstacle of expansion to 12 of the college football playoff. Now, 
Phillips has always maintained that he wanted to expand but needed other things around the sport to happen in order to do that. So he was generally in favor of it, but his vote went against it. And so there, it will be interesting to see now with the ACC's position weakened with the expanded SEC and with the expanded Big Ten, how that affects the negotiating table for the next round of the CFP. Listen, a lot of hoops to jump through for all kind of reasons. It's just going to continue to be that way. Pete, thank you. We look forward to hearing from you again tomorrow. All right, how about this? Say what? Vanderbilt head coach had us doing a double take with his comments yesterday about the future of his program. We'll get our former Vandy quarterback's okay, reaction next on College Football Live. ESPN Fantasy Football, the number one fantasy game with the season right around the corner. Get your league started now at ESPN.com slash fantasy football. All right, day two, actually day four for the SEC Media Days and on the mic at SEC Media Day 9.05, Auburn head coach Brian Harson. We've got Tennessee's Josh Heupel, which will follow and then rounding things out, Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher. What will he have to say? Earlier today, Peter Burns caught up with Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Tom's always been my guy. I mean, coming from New England and rooting for him and going to his championship parades growing up. I mean, it's insane for him to still be here. I mean, I actually got to meet him and I met his father as well. And he, he was talking about how I could probably play him. And I was like, yeah, one of my goals is now to beat Tom Brady. So that would be cool. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. While he'd be a fan of Tom Brady and like to emulate that career. All right, fellas, listen up. Yesterday at SEC Media Day, uh, Vanderbilt head coach, and we know we have a Vanderbilt alum sitting there, Clark uh -oh. Lee, uh, displayed just how – no, this is a good thing – displayed just how much confidence he has in his program. It was one that finished 2-10 and 10 overall, 0-8 in the SEC. Here's what he said. We know that in time, Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. As I stated a year ago, there are no cheat codes, no shortcuts no hacks that will allow this to happen overnight. When you're smart in design and disciplined in your approach, you win out in time. And that's Vanderbilt football. All right, just to be clear, he did say best program in the country, okay? He didn't say our division. He didn't say our conference. Best program in the country. Anything's possible. Jordan, as our quarterback here from Vandy, will give you the floor. What say you? I love it. I mean, as a player, you want your coach to instill that kind of confidence. But also say as a player, you're not dumb. Right? I mean, you don't sit there and, and, all, of a sudden, and all of a sudden think you are right now, right? I mean, I remember James Franklin came in, and we were a 2-10 football team. He took over. First meeting, I remember sitting in that room, and he was saying, we're going to compete for SEC championships. We're going to compete nationally. We're going to go to bowl games. We're all kind of looking around the room going, hey, James, did you, did you watch any tape on us last year? That's crazy. And then all of a sudden, our bodies start to change. We're in better shape. We start to compete in games that we were getting blown out the year before. So slowly, we're like, okay, I can see the change happening. But, again, just because – Clark Lee went out there and said that doesn't mean his team firmly believes that yet, but they're starting to turn the corner and get more confidence in that direction. You got to make your guys believe in themselves yeah. some way, somehow. And if you're at Vanderbilt, it's been ungood for a while now. <laughs> I appreciate that. Ungood. Yeah. Um, but the, the schedule and you, and you look at what you're going to face, I mean, it's not, you know, at Hawaii, by the way, what a great start. Uh -oh. Let's go to Hawaii. I was trying to get a nation yes, to go there. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. <laughs> yes, that would be really good. Um, you got Eli and Wake's going to be tough out of conference at Alabama. Whew, Ole Miss. I mean, there's a lot in your way. We know what you get at Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt baseball is, is dominant. 
I, I would love to see Vanderbilt football get back to listen. Nobody thought James Franklin could do what yeah. he did either, and he turned it around and had a ten-win season, didn't he? Yeah. I think something nine wins, but nine wins, close. Beat, Give or know, take, beat, beat yeah. some big teams. So um, I like that he believes in his team. I, I don't think anybody believes they're going to be the best in the country, but I want to see well, him get better. You know what? Not right away, but to to your point, what a great story. And I don't think anybody would mind if Vanderbilt did take giant strides forward. Why not? If he doesn't believe it, nobody else is going to. Let me ask you guys this, David. I'll start with you. Uh, Jimbo Fisher sets the stage tomorrow at SEC Media Days. I mean, he's not necessarily one to say nothing. Uh, what do you anticipate we'll hear from, from the head coach? I think he'll be fast talking. I think he'll love his team like he always does. He loves everybody on his team. I don't think we're going to have any fireworks. We didn't with Nick either. But, you know, Jimbo's, Jimbo's in a great spot, man. I, I mean, a lot of recruiting, a lot of good headlines, like beat Alabama a year ago. I mean, he's got a lot to poke his chest out about. But now, you know, coming football season, got to back it up, too. I also get some news today about their star wide receiver, Anaya Smith. That's you had the, the Nick Saban drama. I'm predicting a 30-minute filibuster by Jimbo So no questions? <laughs> Trying to get Just, no questions. <laughs> Let's get out of there. Say what you want to say. Give the your message. The opposite of Coach Leach. I was yeah, going to say, Coach Mike Leach, Leach just opens up everything. Who said, I don't need to make any opening statement. I'm not going to say a word. We're going to let you ask all the questions. We're going to go the opposite route. Uh, but you know what? We and, know. And then it gives you Netflix recommendations oh, yeah. and whatever I else mean, you can do. That's why Mike Leach is awesome. And that's why it's still July, right? And why we call it talking season, fellows, because you do eventually have to back it all up. We'll back it up tomorrow. College Football Live returning at 1.30 Eastern Day 4, fourth and final day of SEC Medias. By the way, the ACC Coastal will step up to the mic. All right, get some rest, fellas. We'll see you back here tomorrow.